0: You're listening to a 95 BFM podcast. Welcome back to Ashburton. We're uh, about ready to
1: start now. It's political commentary. With Dr. Lara Greaves this morning. Kia ora, Lara. It's nice to have you back on the show. How are you?
0: Good morning, Anna, it's great to be back. Yes, I was doing some work reviewing our electoral system, um, which is quite topical, but yeah, now back to doing media regularly and doing yeah, my normal normal day-to-day associate professor day job, so coming <laughs> I mean, down from that still, like mo- most of us are coming down from something at the end of the this year God, I know. it's
1: been a long one. It has been a long one What an interesting uh, time you've had though, working on that in the last wee while I- I'm interested to start this morning with probably the big headline of the week, which is uh, the protests that we saw or the solidarity actions oh. that we saw across the motu, organised by Te Pāti Māori a couple of days ago This was sort of timed to coincide with the start of Parliament, uh, and it was organised very quickly as well. What what have been your, I guess, initial takeaways from this um, action organised and and what it means perhaps for um, this term of government that we're heading into?
0: Yeah, fundamentally, when you look at those coalition agreements, when you sit down and look at them, they really are taking Māori, Indigenous, you know, Tangata Senua rights back to the 1950s. There's no no other way to really analyse it. Like, there was this quite controversial report in 1961 called the Han Report that is controversial because it actually recommended assimilating Māori into Pākehā populations. Mm -hmm. But it actually still, even that, recognised that Māori were different, a different population, and that there was an equity. So that's that's kind of like I feel like a lot of where we're going back to, mm. based on yeah quite an evidence argument that. And so I think a lot of people have been quite like exasperated, exhausted, just kind of like what what is happening here. So for Tepati Māori and to, to get it together and, and organise a protest, I think is trying to really show from the outset that it's not going to be a case of. There's going to be protest action after you make the law change, or as you try to get a law change through. That it's yep. going to try, it's going to be constant, and it's also getting people in, into the swing of things again, and, and getting people into it again. So I, I see that's that's probably like back to the fundamental purpose of that protest is to really yeah get that message across that Maria there, and Māori are not going to um, just kind of be quiet while a lot of those sort of rights that have been fought quite hard for over the last 60 years are slowly rolled back.
1: Mm. I want to get into your impressions of the, of the government shortly, but before we do that, do you think that the government has perhaps been taken aback by this response? Do you think they were expecting this, um, I guess, strength of response and speed of response, or is this uh, something that's come out of the blue?
0: No, I don't think they were, and it's, it's interesting because we've also seen a lot of people organize around the smoke-free Aotearoa banner uh, with the changes to tobacco laws, the proposed changes, and these other pockets of resistance popping up um, and, and pockets of opposition to the laws uh, by different experts, you pretty much see most of the headlines at the moment are people criticizing the government, which is hard because, like, Normally in political science we kind of expect the honeymoon period. And I was talking to a professor colleague the other day who was saying, Well, I'm looking forward to this first poll to see what's going to happen because it's a bit of a mystery because normally what will happen after we saw it after Hipkins became um, Prime Minister. We see it normally in new governments as they get a little honeymoon blip in the polls where they, they go up in popularity. But we're not I'm not sure if we're gonna see that with this with this government. And yes, they have been it's it's just been an unusual amount of, of criticism. I do think then as well, like there's a little bit of me that kind of researches polarization and all those sorts of, of fun things, and I do wonder to what extent some of the opposition popping up so soon, so early, what that will actually do to voters, whether it is a case of actually a lot of voters who did vote for change are kind of happy with this. Uh, I'm not sure what will happen there and whether this is motivating polarization, but it's not um, the protesters' fault to be thinking about things like that.
1: So speaking of the government itself, what are your first impressions of it? Because it took a while to get a formation uh, and I think perhaps that formation uh, surprised some commentators. Mm. Is that your impression of it or what, what What has been your big takeaways from this first week that we've seen?
0: Well, the first thing is, is I think MMP is really coming of age um, and our voters know now that we can vote for minor parties and I think because of that we've ended up with this triple-header government and that's a really hard thing to manage so that's that's and we've got now at the reins one of our most inexperienced prime ministers ever so that's that's something to watch from like a political leadership i guess kind of perspective a a government political management perspective then what's happened is of course the coalition government is our most right-wing government we've had under mmp so it's again not clear like what We've got the 100-day plan now, but it's still not clear what exactly will be prioritised because a lot of the bits and pieces don't marry up so well. So if you look at National, and in the bones of National now, due to John Key and Bill English and their last government, is this idea of social investment theory, which is a lot of people can get behind, um, is, but it is that you invest in young people that you think, babies, you know, mothers, that you think it's going to turn into a situation where people don't have access to education, that they do end up um, in state care or they end up not being, able, you know, not being able to go to university not being able to find a good job. Those people, and you intervene early. And the idea for that is it saves the state money, but other you know, people are quite um, critical of that money point there. But it's still an idea that a lot of New Zealanders can get behind, but it doesn't marry up so well with what that coalition agreement says. Um, and what various other populist bits and pieces on law and order say. So that's where I think there's going to be a bit of, it's going to be a bit hard for National and this government to try to articulate what their identity is and what their brand is now when they've got these two quite strong strong and experienced coalition partners. So that's kind of my view on them and I'm wondering what what they will necessarily get across the line because that is quite a big policy agenda.
1: Mm. Speaking of the 100-day plan, what has been some standouts for you? Obviously, we've already touched on some of the smoke-free stuff and some of those um, policies that will be specifically addressing Māori. What, what has been, I guess, the, the headlines in your opinion, Lara, from from what we've seen?
0: The big issue of the last election, when we've been sitting around, and we've got a conference at Parliament today where we all sit and do a little bit of post-mortem, all the political scientists and journos and people like that. But when we're looking at, back at this last election, it really has been, it was a cost-of-living election. So that's the thing that I'm, I'm looking to. Like there, there are bits and pieces um, that say the smoke-free stuff, but people don't necessarily vote on smoke-free legislation, I'm sure there's, there are some people, but you know overall it was the cost of living election. So that's what I'm looking to and watching is what happens um, to, the, to the tax cuts, the tax relief it was called. It wasn't called as far as tax cuts, um, it was positioned as tax relief from national. Mm. So what happens in that space, how it's funded and what that picture ends up being because the cost of living crisis the so-called cost of living crisis is happening in so many other countries around the world um some to a much worse extent so there's only so much that local governments can control and that's going to be how they sell that how national sell that and how they try to get that across the line is going to be the main thing that i'll be watching because i think it is the thing that is the most important and they also have been saying well you know maori and other populations that have been disadvantaged are interested in things like tax relief and being able to put more food on the table and that sort of thing. So a lot of it rests on their ability to alleviate those cost of living pressures
1: for New Zealanders. Mm, Well, it'll be really interesting to check back in after that. I hope it's a fascinating conference this afternoon. Thank you so much for your time time this morning, Lara. Yeah, I'm sure sure there'll be a lot of discussion going on. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Great to have you you back on the show and uh, we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Take care. You just heard a bit of political commentary
0: that was a 95 bfm podcast support 95 bfm with a b card go to 95bfm.com sign up